0: Welcome to HavriyaCast, the podcast where I, Aladna Harai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative juice. Hello and welcome to Hevriacast. I am super pumped today. I say that every time, but this time I really mean it. All the other times I was faking it, but I'm very excited. We have Paula Izelt. You got it. Did I get it? You got it. Welcome, Paula. Thank you. It's so good to have you. And I think before we jump in, I should probably tell people because they—I'm sure everyone knows who you are already—but they definitely know your movie, "93 Queen," which is about Ruhi Fryer, right? And her. What I actually was surprised by when I saw the movie um, was that it was it started filming before she had ever become judge. Yes. And it was so it was about her EMT work, yeah. which I thought was fascinating because I. In my head, she like she just and I think in a lot of people's heads, at least in the Jewish world, she kind of popped into existence when she she became judge. And so I was just like, Oh, like when she mentioned something about being a lawyer as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, this was before all that. Yeah.
1: And I, mean, it I, mean, ended I, with I found that. her met Ruchi like six years ago. This was before she was wow. Ruchi Friar. <laughs> she was just a woman in Borough Park that I met. Wow. Um, and we can get into it, but everything that she's mm. done just happened while I was filming. Wow. So it was like right place, right time. Um, But I saw something (sighs) in her that I, very early on that I was like, this woman is going to change things.
0: Wow. That's so cool. That, that stuff is like, the stuff makes me like as an artist believe in Hashem because, you know, there's these moments when you're creating and you're just like, Oh, this like, and especially with something like this, that, that this this movie was already amazing, but then that it that it um, I'm sure helped it get attention that that she had become this judge and helped it get off the ground. I mean that's so beautiful.
1: It was everything was just you know we said to each other Ruchi and I like Hashem must really want this film to happen because yes. there were so many times where. I was like, you know, it may not happen. I didn't know if Ezra Snishim was going to launch. Yeah, it. You know, Ezra Snishim where... is
0: the organization mentioned in the movie. Yeah,
1: Ezra Nashim is the um, all-female EMT corps, the first in the U.S. Right. that Rookie Fire helmed and you know brought to be before she right. ran for judge or anything. This was, and,
0: and this is what the movie is about: her her challenges and her experiences. Building this up, right? Yeah, her
1: and the group of women who worked and the with group her. Of women, yeah. Of it's about them um getting this off the ground and wow. despite a lot of opposition. Wow.
0: Um so before we get into the whole movie, I would love to know a little bit more about you. Like what's your background? How did you become a filmmaker? Um you grew up Orthodox, right? Yep. So you're kind of like Ruchi, in a way. You know? <laughs> I don't know how many from Few right. all filmmakers that were before. <laughs> but uh, this is pretty big. I think it's like your own story in a way as well.
1: Yeah. I it, mean, you're not from Borough Park. But, no, I'm uh, not from Borough Park. I I mean, I. it's been a real journey, wow. you know, and it's kind of, I think, like most art forms, but it's, you know, possibly especially with filmmaking, it's so much about the process mm. as much as it is about the final piece that you have. So the, yeah. the process, um, of getting here as, as a director mm. and, and getting this film out is just, you know, that took so many years, uh, you so, know, like these things don't happen overnight. It, it, you know, so it started, if you want me to get into that. There we go. Okay.
0: Yeah. I don't even have to ask you. You,
1: can just, yeah. you already know what
0: I'm going. So to I say.
1: mean, I grew up in a in a home. So I, I, sorry, I grew up on Long Island. Uh-huh. Um, I went to Hafter. You were kind five times in Rockway. if anyone knows where that is, is, you know. And very just like typically a modern Orthodox bubble. Mm. Um, really, you know, very little interaction with people outside the community, you know, unless it was like other modern Orthodox yeah. kids. Um no non Jews for sure. You know, it's just like it, it, its own, you know, stereotypically modern Orthodox bubble. Mm. Um, but my parents were always um, like very into movies. Mm. And my mom's a deadhead. <laughs> yeah. And fish. And they're still doing that.
0: Did they grow up Orthodox, your parents?
1: My dad grew up in Brooklyn. He's my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. So oh. he, you know, had a very like, you know, mm. First generation Brooklyn experience. Mm. Um like kinda, it,
0: like traditional. Or? Orthodox. I mean oh, Orthodox. his okay. whole
1: story is a, a story like my uh let me know how much you want me to get into this stuff, but I'm loving it all. It's um good. my so my grandparents mm. um were Europeans, survived the Holocaust, yeah. um, came to the US after the war. They they got married in a DP camp mm. and moved to St. Louis. Oh, yeah. They were there, and my My grandfather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, started like he owned like a supermarket, like a small store, Mm. and they had three kids. And when my dad was two, his father just dropped dead at the age of forty-nine. Wow. So there, my grandmother was, you know, a survivor in this country with three kids by herself. Wow. So she moved to Brooklyn because her sister, who survived with her, was there. And she raised three kids as a single mother. You know, she worked in a factory. That's what she did. And that's how my father, they had very little money. Um, My, you know, all the kids went to camp. He, you know, he was home playing, you know, stickball in the streets of Brooklyn. So Mm. it was different of a different Holocaust story Mm. um, because they came and they were rebuilding. But then this happened with my grandfather. So
0: um,
1: it's not the typical story you hear, you know, like of coming here and, and, and finding success or, yeah. you know, um, of course, my grandmother, you know, instilled so much in her tril- children, but in terms of like financial success and and mm. that it was a different kind of story. And then my mother, you know, grew up on Long Island in Elmont, mm. very like traditional, mm. conservative mm. Um, Judaism. And they met anyway, and uh. here and then I'm here. <laughs> so <and my laughs> It's siblings. interesting because
0: you also sounds like you came from a family with strong women. I mean, at least on your father's yes. side, it's pretty beautiful. Um, yes. That's really amazing.
1: Um, and you know what? I never... I, I mean, I know all this, but I didn't <laughs> connect even further because my grandmother...
0: Uh-huh. Um, on your father's side?
1: My mother's side. On your Grandma B, side. who's mm. here, thank God, uh-huh. um, she grew up in a very interesting household, really? too. She's she's American, mm. so, like, very different sides. Like, my grandmother's, like, the American side, and my father's side was, like, the European side. <laughs> and um, her mother, my great-grandmother, got divorced in the 30s, which uh-huh. was, like, really not... Yeah. She married this, like, terrible... My grandma, grandmother's father was terrible. So she raised my grandmother... Wow. Just her, and my grandmother, like in the thirties and forties, as like a single mom. So yeah,
0: you were like meant to make this movie.
1: <laughs> Wait, let me tell you something crazier too. <laughs> this is where to go. <laughs> um, my grandfather, so Grandma yeah. B's husband, may rest in peace. His mother, yeah. Ethel, was one of the only women to be accepted to Columbia. Really? And she went. Wa- Isn't that where? Is that where 30s. Ruth Bader Ginsburg went? Or- yeah. I think oh so. My gosh,
0: you know what's funny? Because when I was watching the movie, I was like, kept being like, she's like the Hasidic Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. That was in my head.
1: Okay, so, so she is, and I call, and now we're jumping a lot. But I call Ruchi's husband, the Marty Ginsburg of Borough Park.
0: Ah, yes, that's such a good call. <laughs> that is a good. Oh, that's and so interesting because it came out really like around all the Ruth Bader Ginsburg like mania, like when the movie, the documentary about her came out. Yeah, uh, it's like right around the same time.
1: Yes. I mean, rookies. Oh, like,
0: Hashem is in, like, every bit of this story. It's, this Ricky's, is amazing.
1: like, election was, like, the only positive election of 2016.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. This <laughs> is like, the one good, good... <laughs> thing that happened. <laughs> this is, uh, wow. It was, it was amazing. We, we, much more quickly than I expected, got into politics. That was impressive. Um, yes. But that's beautiful. That's a beautiful way of looking at it, actually. I think that's really...
1: That's how... Really, and I, I guess I'll briefly tell you so the filmmaking. So that's like my family. But then yeah. in high, so I was always into um, like storytelling.
0: Right.
1: But in tenth grade, um, a friend and I like skipped class one day. I'm like still scared to say it. <laughs> you were like <laughs> looking
0: around for I was, like, someone. To... <laughs> someone here.
1: And um, we went to Blockbuster, which oh. was on. Olive Shalom. Oliver Shalom, which was on Central <laughs> Avenue at that time, yeah. and. We were like, let's, like, rent a movie, and I picked up this movie randomly. i like, this looks really good, but I didn't know what it was, and we watched mm-hmm. it, and it turned out to be Ruckum for a Dream. Darren Aronofsky's Ruckum for a Dream.
0: Oh, my God. That like, was <laughs> How old were you when, when you when this happened? I was,
1: like, in 10th grade.
0: Wow. That's intense. It's
1: very intense. And, and you hadn't,
0: like, seen so many movies like that, I'm assuming. Not like I that, think. no.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And... <laughs> The credits roll and we literally just stared at the screen for a really long time, like really disturbed, but I was like completely enamored by it. I was like, I want to, I want to do this. Like I want to make movies. So, and that started my process of like, how do you do that when you're in after high school? Like there's no filmmaking, like how did, I wanted to go to NYU film school. Like how was I going to pull that off?
0: Can I just say, though, before we – that's, like, that's incredible because I feel like 95 – 99% of the people that would watch a movie 10th grade from not knowing much about, like, that kind of world would be like, I never want to watch <laughs> another movie again. That's, like, an intense movie. So Very that's really, nice. like, a sign that you were meant to do that. That's really yeah powerful.
1: Like, it was – you know, because the, the amount of, like – I was so – taken by, like, the elements of the filmmaking. Because hmm. in Reckon for a Dream, like, everything is very, um, like, you see every piece of how it made this whole, like, yeah. the editing is is really unique in the film. Right. The way it's shot, the music, right. um, like, all those elements are their own, really stood out. On their own to me. Wow. And I felt like this art form is such a collaboration between so many different disciplines. And that is so cool to be able to combine everything wow. um, in one piece.
0: <coughs> wow, that's really cool. That's really so, beautiful.
1: And then I, you know, so I decided I needed to like get experience. Like, what do I do? So I ended up um interning mm. during the summers. Um, my mom had gone to school with this guy, Bernard Telsey, who's like a huge casting director. Mm. Like he casted Rent, you know, like on, yeah, on Broadway. So I went and I, even though it was theater whatever, still the industry, I went and I interned for him for a couple of summers. And that was like my first foray, like outside of my bubble, you know, um, becoming friends with people who weren't Jewish and just like seeing the world differently. Um, and experiencing other people.
0: So that's interesting. So it was like through filmmaking that you started to get in, to t- get in touch with the world outside of your bubble, I guess. Yeah. I feel like that's, I don't know, that's, I could go on forever, but I feel like that's like one of these things about creativity that I find to be really powerful. Like it was really, you know, like this movie and all these things are breaking you out of a certain Kind of uh, construct, that, and not to. I'm not trying to disparage anything, but I'm saying more that it allowed you to see, think and see and experience things that were even bigger, totally, that, which is really powerful.
1: The exposure of it, yeah, of just, I, uh, you know, just meeting people outside yeah. of your community, um, wow, was incredible, and it's so much of like creativity. I think is it, it, our relationships, and I know that's what you know yeah. you you do. With Hevria, just like having your peers is so much a part of this. Right. Um, it's kind of like everything. Like, you need that network um, hmm. to do this work. Yeah. And that's what's like, for me at least, that was what it was.
0: Sure. Filmmaking, much more so, I think, than, than others, like where you, it's everything is collaborative. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because, yeah, as a writer, the funny thing is, I think for me, I recognize that, but as a writer, I think I was motivated to do it even more so because I didn't have it because as a writer you just <laughs> I write on the subway. So I just go on the subway and I'm like li- like I always like describe it like I'm a rat in the subway and I'm just like <laughs> sitting there like all alone and <laughs> writing and I'm like oh I got to connect with other artists yeah. too because this is I'm going crazy you know um So but anyway yeah so I totally agree with you. It's really beautiful. Yeah.
1: Mm. But it also I mean, you can get to this but like being a observant mm. Jewish person and a woman is also very isolating. Okay. Yeah. So that feeling of like you're mm. just by yourself is is very much there. Wow. Um.
0: So even as you were connecting to other things, there's still a certain amount of like I had
1: an awareness of like I was different. Um And then after like Bernard Telsey, I, you know, I, who I really wanted to intern for was Darren Aronofsky. Ah
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So, again, wow. my mother um, somehow tracked down, like, his agent. I don't know, like, how she did it. And we sent him my paper. I wrote a whole paper in him for a dream.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, it was, like, part of to get into NYU. Uh-huh. And they loved him. They're like, come intern for us. What? So I interned for him for oh about, my gosh. like, three summers. What a story. Yeah. it's incredible. It was, how was it that? Was, it, was, it was amazing. And you remember, got to work like, with I remember, reading him? The Wrestler.
0: Oh, my like God. Like,
1: years before it came out.
0: Wow. That's beautiful.
1: They were just awesome. And uh, somewhere mm-hmm. at home, I had, like, a Requiem poster signed by Darren, and he made, like, a Jewish star on it. Just cute.
0: Wow. <laughs> I love that you're calling him Darren now.
1: <laughs> I don't, I, we're not in touch. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't savvy enough to, like, keep it going at the time.
0: Wow. Um, no, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So, I that's mean, so, that, so I think, like, in, that, that started, um, you know immersion into the film industry and then um, I somehow got into Tisch to NYU mm. and um, that was, an, you know, the next part of this experience, like being in film school mm. with at the time there were kids who had gone to like film camp every summer and and I went to Hafter, mm. you know, and, and how do you, mm. you know, I felt, you know, intimidated at first and, and then being religious and kosher and, and Shabbat was very challenging because a lot of the shoots are done over the weekends.
0: Yeah. I remember I was I was an extra, not that I have any extensive experience. I was an extra in this movie The Kingdom. Um and I was like I don't know what it's like a featured extra, so you're like going there quite a bit and like in retrospect I look back on it because it was before I was religious and I'm just thinking like I never could have done like been that involved. Because like all the food, you know, it was great. It was great at the time because there was yeah. so much food. It was awesome. You could just eat whenever you felt like. Like all this amazing food, and then yeah, there was so much shooting on Friday nights so and much. Saturdays, and and the yeah. production
1: companies. Like I, I interned at Focus Features. Oh wow! And I was doing like while I was at NYU, and I was doing really well there. Like they let me sit in on like exec meetings just to like see yeah. what's going on, and they wanted me to, I was to like actually like start. Like the first thing was like managing the phones or like doing like the step above an intern. Mm. And I said, you know, I have to leave early on Fridays. Wow. And that was it. Really? And yeah. I couldn't do it.
0: Wow. And you stuck with that, of course.
1: I stuck with it. But wow. it was like, you know, That's... I realized like it's going to be
0: a challenge. Wow. You must know Leia Gottfried, I'm assuming, right?
1: Yes. We. We I hope to like actually hang out with her at some point. Have, have you met we, her before? We met. She was she came to um, ninety three queen and I was like so excited to meet uh, her. Um But we need to cause like she, have coffee and
0: yes, connect. yes. Um, not to turn this into a networking podcast, but uh, <laughs> no. But like we, I had her on cast, uh on this podcast, and she. It was just it's so interesting to me because it's almost like I'm hearing the same. obviously she's not the focus features thing, but she had been succeeding in that world and just this aspect kept coming up. And I think that was part of what I believe that was part of what inspired her to start Soon By You was because, and it sounds like, and I'm guessing that might be kind of what happened with you. I I would love to hear, but, um, but it's interesting, at least so far, it sounds so similar. The stories grew up modern Orthodox was really encouraged by her family and, uh, and then this, this block is so sad to me, but um, it's very yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah, it is really. It's, but it's funny. So seeing that, because, you know, and I think it's changing now, like, partially because, like, of your work and just, mm-hmm. like, Jewish art, you know, becoming, I think, definitely more common than it was uh-huh. um, amongst observant Jews, at least, you know, when I was in high school and college. Uh-huh. Um in a very interesting way, because I saw, and I'll, there's two reasons I'm saying this before, because I saw kind of like, for lack of a better word, the shortcomings or the obstacles that being observant yeah. you know, um, made, made happen, I very much was like, I'm going to go the secular path. I'm going...
0: Um, oh, interesting. So you went the, in the other way. The film
1: industry. Like, yeah. everything for 93 Queen was, like, through oh. all... You know, PBS, all the grants. My whole team wasn't Jewish um, or observant, actually. I, I just wanted to, like, work outside because uh. I felt like, you know, that was the only way it was going to work if if I if I did it that way. So I didn't but- even, like, look for... I barely even...
0: So, but how did then that work in terms of like your observance? You're still working with these like secular companies. So how were so you I, able to...
1: If, well, being the filmmaker, right. I can choose what I want to do.
0: Right. So I think that's that's the connection is like this. They're just like, there's no other option. You have to be the the filmmaker. You have to be the top person in a sense. Um
1: I think so. I mean, set life, for instance, like I um, worked on a couple of sets and it is, it's amazing. But, right, like if you're observant and you keep kosher and Shabbos, like it it becomes, you really, it's very difficult to do that. And then, you know, being a mom is like a whole other situation that does that. Um, So, however, there was, you know, being in film school, part of the point of it is just, like, the, the networking, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you can learn this stuff other ways, too, right? You don't right. need to do that. Um, <laughs> but I met my professor who's actually, like, the EP, the executive producer of 93 Queen and has oh. been my mentor, like, since. His name is Marco Williams. Oh. And um, he – most of his films have to do with race in America, Um, his seminal film is Two Towns of Jasper. I don't know if you know what it's a doc. What is it called? Two Towns of Jasper.
0: It sounds familiar. About a lynching.
1: Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, And he's African-American. So he actually, um, he worked with a white filmmaker and they went to both sides of the town. Oh, wow. And it's incredible.
0: That's powerful.
1: So Marco, um, the things that I saw as, like I said before, like obstacles or shortcomings, he thought that was cool.
0: <laughs> beautiful. Like
1: he he thought like that was like so unique and I realized with that that the, the things that you know I find as shortcomings are, are, are that's my power right like that's wow. my inspiration that's what makes me me so I really like owned that wow. a lot more uh, but you need someone like that to
0: and tell I love, you that <laughs> I love that it wasn't someone Jewish like no. that they he empowered you that way yeah that's really beautiful I. uh I always tell people like the only reason I became Jew like became uh, observant was because um of a Muslim uh, person because I was on that set actually and this guy started talking to me uh there it was like 95% of the extras were Muslim because they needed it was like the movie took place in Saudi Arabia and so you know I guess I fit the bill <laughs> at the time but um yeah I was like the one Jewish guy and there was this guy who was like 50 or something, and he was talking to me about, you know, I was just asked. I was very curious about his background, and we started talking about it. And then finally he was like, so what about you? What's your background? And I was like, "Uh, well, I don't really, I'm not really into, you know, religion, and like I'm into spirituality and about, you know, standard college Jewish response. And he was like, like, oh, no, that's not, it's not okay. You need to, (laughs) you need to know who you are. And it was like blew my mind because at the time, you know, I had my own biases about Muslims already. Like even though I was getting along with all of them and all these things, there was something about a Muslim person telling me, You need to be Jewish, you need to like connect to your Judaism that hit me really hard wow. and that had a big effect on me. So I think that's interesting how Hashem kind of and it also shows, I think, like how Hashem's kind of guiding us on these trips and and expanding our universe at the same time, hopefully. You know? Like it's,
1: a, it's Incredible, because, you know, speaking of that, um, so Marco also was mentoring two other filmmakers who are Mm. my friends. Um, Their names are Yoni Brooke and Musa Saeed. And I ended up, like, my first little job after graduating, I was, um, was like, a production assistant for them on their documentary. They worked together. And um, so I remember there were times where I was in the office and... I would be saying like Mincha in one room and Musa would be, you know, praying in the other. And it was just, you know, we were just the only ones there. Wow. Um, But again, like with what you said before about how creativity just is a common thread for people. Yeah. And just really is very unifying.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. That's like some viral image or something, you know? (laughs) Right. If only. Wow. So I'm curious now, like. How did you then – so I'm, I'm I'm curious now, like, what the inspiration was or, like, you're going through all these things. And at what point did 93 Queen come yeah. into the picture?
1: So after NYU – so I worked on e Musa's film and, mm. like, some of Marco's stuff and just, like, other people's mm. things – and then I started uh, – Marco was like, you know, the only way you're really going to learn is just, like, go out and shoot. Just do it yourself. You mm. know, like, if you want to direct, you got to just be a director. So I was like, you know, I'm going to do that, you know, <laughs> to start doing my own thing. So I started this film about um, my uncle that I uh, had called Falling Baruch, um, right, right. which, you know, right now is <sighs> on the side for right now. But it was, you know, a really formidable experience. It, it just – you know, taught and, me, and
0: he was in. He's in. He's a Hasidic.
1: Sorry, yes, my is Um, he's Hasidic. He lives in Borough Park. Yeah. and um, he you know suffers from mental illness and addiction. Hmm. Um, thank God, doing very well. But it was you know the film, the documentary was following his journey in an attempt to like restart his life and find a wife. That hmm. Rhymed, and um, so I just you know followed him and um. And also did a lot of stuff in and, um, Oh hell wow. and just followed his life for a bunch of years. And it was, um, it's an, he's, he's incredible. His story is incredible. And, you know, I also immersed myself in, into Borough Park. Wow. So while I was making that film and um, I had done a Kickstarter and um, was getting it to a rough cut, like it was moving, I found this. I was perusing um, Vos is nice
0: <laughs>
1: one day, and yeah. I saw this this article like about a group of women in Borough Park who wanted to start this, you know, all female EMT corps because Hatzela excludes women. And two things just struck me like lightning. The first was that Hatzela banned women. I grew up in a neighborhood with Hatzela in the Five Towns. I I never occurred to me that women were not there and that they were actively excluded.
0: That's so funny because I was literally, as I was watching the movie, I was like, wait a second. And it showed my own, I think, implicit bias. I was thinking in Crown Heights, you know, we have Hutzala, of course, and we use them. We're so grateful for it. But looking, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait a second. There are no women there. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Anyway, sorry.
1: So exactly. Yeah. I was just so... Yeah. Um, kind of just shocked by my by my own blindness right to to not have seen that and then also the revelation that this this is actually like a policy you right. know was something that shook me and the second thing was that here were a group of hasidic women who were not taking no for an answer they were being defiant right. in some way and that was something mm-hmm. you know i had in my own stereotypes, like, had not seen before in that community, Um, especially working on my uncle's film, you know, it was always very hard to speak to women. Um, Mm. And it's just not what you think of when you think of a Hasidic woman.
0: Which, by the way, speaking of which, I think probably one of the most fascinating parts about this movie is the fact that you got so much access to these women's lives. I I just have to know, like, how that happened, because I'm, like, amazed by that. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that had that much access to – I mean, I've seen movies that have had access to the from world, but not – definitely not women. And definitely not women criticizing their world. And not uh, – like, that you even got into, like, the Rebby's – yeah. I know they blurred everyone that wasn't there. But, like – and that they had these. I, I was, and not to, I thought maybe Ruchi Fryer would be okay with using her face, uh, where she's like openly criticizing like the, this Rebbe. I'm not sure who it was, but this uh, Rebbe that they, they spoke to. and um, But the whole, they had almost every woman. I think there was one woman that was blurred in this meeting where they were mm-hmm. um, talking about this situation. And I was just like, how did you, I'm, I, I have to know how it happened. I'm like so fascinated by this. It's
1: so. The access and everything you're saying is why 93 Queen was...
0: Right.
1: Almost killed me making it, you know. Um, I really. say that, I mean, it's just... It's like it was so, so hard. hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Um, but I really sought to tell the story from within. Yeah. And to give a platform and a voice to Hasidic women on their own terms. Because like you're saying, there aren't films that go... In the inside, there are films, great films, about people who leave and stuff from the outside. But, you know, I'm not Hasidic, but I have, fam- f- like, a lot of familiarity with the culture. I'm Orthodox. I, like, I can relate in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um And who gets to tell whose stories matter? And I was also, like, just bothered in a way that for the religious Jewish voice, you know, anyone can come and tell our story, but we aren't empowered to tell her own story. So that right. was for me as a director, like I wanted right. that and I wanted to give these women an, an opportunity to tell it in their way um, without judgment. But in terms of, you know, actually getting the access, it took a lot of time and trust. I mean, this movie took five years to make. And really? Was, oh,
0: right. That makes sense. Because was. Yeah. It, it was surprising to me that it was like, it seemed... Like I just because I had like I had mentioned at the beginning is I had known her as this judge, and all of a sudden, oh, there's this movie that took place before that, so yeah, so it's interesting. it took a few five years
1: it took me five years, wow. and the bulk of it I shot alone,
0: Wow, and that was really? the only
1: way to get that makes sense access and i and I was there all the time for four years. I filmed, mm-hmm. and i was i really you know these women became my friends um there was a point where. You know, Ruchi says, like, if I wasn't in a meeting, like, where's Penina? So we use my Hebrew name, Panina. Yeah, uh, Ruchi wanted to use that, and I, I really uh, blended in. Like, I, I, you know, I dressed in a way that was respectful of Hasidic culture and norms. Wow. And I, I just became one of one of the women.
0: So you were. It was mainly you filming with one camera and
1: mm-hmm.
0: following them around and what was your experience like being you know i some of these things like you're in public you're walking down the street borough park um i'm not i'm sh- i'm i am curious like what that was like for you
1: yeah it was so for the bulk of it like all the the main scenes that take place inside hmm. i really didn't do a ton of filming outside because of the taboo and went back you know, with mm. other teams to get like the B-roll, which is like the atmospheric shots of like right. buses and the, the the neighborhood. But when I was filming, you know, I got the the times that I did film outside, you know, I got um, looks wow. and, you know, nothing crazy. People would ask what I'm doing, but because I was by myself with a camera, mm. I'm not a huge person, <laughs> Um and I'm a woman. Nobody took me so seriously.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's really interesting. And you I gotta used use that. your own. I used
1: it. I was like, oh, I'm just like stu- <laughs> stupid girl, you know, <laughs> filming, and right. I got away with a lot.
0: Right, and you look a little bit young, like, so I could see why they just think, oh, she's just some
1: like student like, yeah. or like some girl. Like I, nobody was like, oh my god, like a film crew's here. Like what's going on? Right. So if you wow. own that, you disappear even more.
0: Wow. So. You use I use the hiddenness yes. of women. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're blowing my mind right now. And do you? Think, I'm curious. I'm curious then about the women because the women must have known something was like they knew, right? So wh- oh,
1: anyone who is in the film, yeah. um was completely game. Of course, like really to because they know what they're doing was incredible. I mean, mm. it took time and um, and help but, from Ruchi to to get uh, people. To do this, and there were women who didn't want to. Right. There were women who who were really upset by the film and like, how can you do this? Secular media, that that, and they're they're not in it.
0: Okay, that's that's. Um, I was very curious about that.
1: I got messages, you know. I, I got a lot of you know messages. My husband will not let me do this. Do not do this. It will destroy our life. Whatever, and they're not in it. So there was that sense of Do,
0: has there s- been stakes
1: about you know being in this film
0: right? That's that's what's kind of fascinating to me about the film. It's like you like the film itself is part of the story in a way because you are in there. You, you like Ruchi clearly is okay with you doing this. Um, I mean that's a story it, like it was, that. They're okay with that. They the want making
1: of like ninety three Queen is like a parallel to Ezra's Nasham. Right. The formation of of them yeah. um there were so many there were times where we um rookie uh, spoke to her, stopped the film like and she stood strong, and I stood strong because she
0: well,
1: knew and hmm. knows how important it is to get this out there to show empowered Hasidic women who are changing their community from within, they're making change from the bottom up. these women you know are powerhouses, they're not oppressed. And and they're very happy in their communities. And I say, you know, what I hope a takeaway is of this film is that the Hasidic community is not monolithic. Mm. You know, it's diverse like any community. Mm. And there's multiple truths. So this film is one truth. It's not the only truth. Mm. You know, there there are other stories that show another side. And it's all a tapestry of this one community. And there's no one film that could say, like, this is the Hasidic world.
0: You know what? You know what's so funny? Because I was gonna say this, I didn't want like to ruin the flow. but now it's like a perfect. I was thinking about how your movie, you know, I'm sure you know, One of Us that movie that came out. I felt like they were in a weird way, like companion movies, in um in the sense that they were both telling the story of challenges um, in that community. I think it was. It's, they're both the Satmar world, right in Borough Park. I think for well, the most part. Brookies-
1: no, Rook is Rook
0: is Babov. Oh, Babov. Okay. She's Babov.
1: But a lot of the women are also like various.
0: Right. There was one sex. from Crown Heights. Yeah. There was one I love that. That was like it was so funny cuz you could immediately tell the difference.
1: It. Yes. <laughs> so, so funny. Many things. And then
0: she's like talking about Star Wars like it was nothing. I love that. Um speaking of not monolithic. Um yes. Okay, so it's like a tapestry actually. And that's ex- actually I think that's kind of like one of us as well, these different communities. But um but all like Borough Park and and Brooklyn and stuff. And I think um I think like it's almost like if people are going to watch that, they should watch yours, and if people watch yours, they should watch that like I think there's something about that of, like seeing here are the people who are leaving because of struggles, and then here are people who are staying despite the struggles, and why do they stay and like I just found both of those stories to be so important um to this to this uh, to this dialogue um, totally exactly
1: um, and you know one of us has brought up all the time oh yeah in in our reviews for the film and like so many things oh that's interesting and you know i'm acquainted with with the filmmakers and it's it's a beautiful film and i do think you know if we had some like smart programmers like exactly what you're saying like that would you know that's how in the documentary world things should be programmed to see communities with multiple stories um it doesn't always work um right like that and i and i you know I guess we're jumping a little bit like part of the struggle of making 93 queen, you know, in addition to access and being in the Hasidic world was that for a long time I was pleasing nobody. So what I mean by that is here I am like pointing to a flaw in Hatzella. Hatzalah is a crown jewel and they're amazing. They are. Yeah. Um, but I'm pointing to something that people don't want to really make a big deal about. Yeah. So the Jewish world is not going to be excited about this. Yeah. And then in the mainstream, secular film industry, which I'm working in, they don't want to see empowered Hasidic women. You know, that that is just, that is too... It breaks the
0: narrative. Too, part, yeah. exactly.
1: That does not go according to the narrative. They want these women to leave at the end. They want Ruhi to leave. They don't want, you know, th- there's so many reasons, you know, they don't want to see... The Hasidic community is just like universally so... Um, Hated, basically, for lack of a, you know, just to be frank, you know, this is not a popular community (laughs) anywhere. So to try to humanize that um, is is challenging in that space. But so I was just kind of like, you know, I I was told by other women, like women film organizations, um, you know, why don't these women just leave? And like completely, you know, brushed off. And it was a very lonely place for a while, Hmm. But you just need that one thing. So that one thing was PBS after like a series of... Um,
0: so you're saying it was like hard to sell get this funding. To Yeah, get funding
1: uh-huh. and support. Yeah. Um. Once ITVS, which is a funding arm of PBS, came on board um, and met them at Film Week at IFP in Brooklyn, hmm. Um, they came in and they're like, you know, as a co-production, hmm. saw this as... Diverse voices that needed representation. Hmm. Really loved it. Wow. Um, they were they are incredible. Came in um, and then thank God all the all the traditional film funders came in Sundance Tribeca Fork Films like all of IDA like all of them hmm. and I had so much support wow. from the film world so much I mean from my from my team of course and then. Um, all of these nurturing. I was in a few labs, like just like I was so nurtured wow. um, by the film world, which was an incredible thing to see. But you, you know,
0: you had to really believe in this and push it because it sounded like it took time before that happened. Yes, that's,
1: and it was so kind of what we that's were saying before. Like so many things that happened, was like this movie has to be made and it has to get out there. Like I, there is, I had no choice,
0: right. Ah, wow. It's beautiful. Um I I can't help I'm so okay, so there's something in this movie that is sticking with me. And I think it's because of who I am, like my own story in this uh and I can't help it and I and I'm very curious what you think. Um I don't I don't know. I mean, so it was what I in general what I loved about this movie was like you were showing and not telling, right? Like you were really just going through it and telling it so honestly and telling it without there was no, I didn't feel manipulated. I felt like you were just truly showing them as they were. And I think what was really hard for me to watch was the Balchuvah woman whose idea was, who was the poor one, um, who ended up essentially getting kicked to the curb. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, anyone watching, you know, I'm imagining already in my head because I've experienced those people being like, well, it was her choice. She left. And, um, and And then she's not in the movie, the rest of the movie, and I actually felt like in the movie the whole time in my head, I'm like, i couldn't ha- the the rest of the movie felt and not not the rest of the story felt um painful to me, even as much as I loved Rocky's story um as a Balchuva who has tried to start things and then seen other people in the from world do it themselves because they have more backing and they have more authority and all these things. And because they have more money. Um, it was really hard for me to watch that. It was yeah. really,
1: so that's it, just
0: my honest reaction. I'm curious what that's, what that was like for you. You, that,
1: know? you know, that's a very intentional reaction. You know, uh-huh. um, it was really important for me to show the truth
0: yeah.
1: and, and, you know, making change as we know, is mm-hmm. messy. Messy, yeah. It's not linear. And this was a very painful part of, you know, Ezra Sashim getting off the ground, a very painful part for me to film. Mm. Um, have is incredible. And it, it, I you know, I it was really hard to do that. Mm. Um, but that's, you know, that's what happened. And in fact, like the women who saw the film the Ezra Sonshin women, were, were really happy that it showed that. Really? You know, that this That's is beautiful. this is this is what it took. And, you know, Rookie, there's the external factors that made this difficult. And then there are the internal factors, you know, between the women themselves. You know, having you know, Rookie has to reconcile her leadership and other women have to reconcile having a woman step out of traditional gender norms to lead. Yeah. You know, the these are things that happen
0: right, right,
1: so, but I'm yeah. excited to give like an update Ooh. that the policy that unmarried women can't join is completely reversed
0: Oh, wow, beautiful That's
1: and amazing. in fact, Stern is opening a division wow. this year, and there are other divisions opening and and all women can join non- jewish women too wow anyone anyone can join and to me, and and you know, Rookie will say this, this is like what it is, like it was an evolution for them. Yeah. Like the change is slow and they had to get to that point hmm. um, you know, for them to do that. But in the beginning, when you're so scared and you're 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 pushing so many boundaries, you can't have it all at once. Right. So I also think part of the growing pains there, you know. Yeah. I, I think it would be different now between you know, you have it in the organization if if it was starting right now, but there was so much.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I think it would be so unfair to blame Ruchi, you know, for this, like a part of the story. I feel like, I, I mean, I think it's worth talking about responsibility and all these things, what could have been done, what could have been done differently. But I think ultimately, like, I think what was so hard for me was like watching how the system works, if that makes sense. Um, it was I don't know. It was really powerful to me because I'm looking at this woman who's living in this beautiful home, and and is has a husband who's backing her and and has and has clout in the community. And in a sense, like that, it's not about her. So I mean, it's she's she's superwoman. She's Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the Jewish world, and like, but then it's also because of her context that she was able to yep. do that. Yeah, and that I found to be fascinating and heartbreaking and. But also just true. I think that was so what was so powerful. It was just like, this is this is it. This is how change happens sometimes. Yes, you know? and I'm,
1: I'm so glad, you know, that those things that you recognize and that resonated with you because mm. it was really important for me to show um, that not all the people and all the women are are the same socioeconomically. And you right. see it a lot of people's kitchens in the film, right? right? <laughs> that I love. You that. know, rookie is incredible and she's the first thing. she you know she she does have help and she has support of her family and she's you know there's a lot of people rooting for her mm-hmm. and and I do think you know having money is a huge part of this right um but I guess in some cases, it takes those people to kind of be the first to to do that, and maybe in fact if if you have those resources, maybe you're more for lack of a word, responsible for doing that because you're able to more.
0: Right, right. That's such a, well put. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting, really true. It's like we want to, like my instinct is to get angry or upset, but like it's also what am I getting angry at? Why am I getting angry? Like what is happening here? And I think it's just there is injustice, but the question is like how is it happening? Why is it happening? And I think what you're saying is so powerful because it's like Ruhi's realized that her, role was to be that privileged woman who brings other women along with her. But it also meant that there were casualties. I mean, it's so, so powerful and so heartbreaking and, and beautiful. I think like that's, that's, I mean, I'm sure that's like, to me, the ideal of like a documentary is like, I can't, there's no easy way to talk about it. And I think that's so human. We need more of that. I think like where it's not, I can't just be like, ah, it's this thing's fault, you know? So Um, I
1: wanted like with, and I'll just, before I get to that, point out that also rookie. Um, didn't grow up like that. She oh, paid yeah, for I'm her sure. own wedding. <laughs> yeah. she, wow, she is. So, so <laughs> she has something so much um, wow. life experience before that, which I think wow. you know, you know, gave her that sense of justice and advocacy and mm. and, and tikkun olam and and doing all that.
0: Right.
1: Um, so then when. And this is my, my analysis, you know, then when she was in that privileged position, she had that perspective to like activate it and like and like pay it forward. Yeah. Um, wow. So but in terms of um, what were we just saying before that shoot, I had Pri- using uh, privilege
0: for the right for using others.
1: privilege. Shoot. It floated away. <laughs> <laughs> it will come back. No
0: worries. I actually had another thought, which hopefully I will. Oh, remember. OK, just oh, came back.
1: It floated. So in terms of the nuance, Mm. it was really important to show the complexity of the story and Mm. that internal conflict and those growing pains are the heart of it. Mm. Um, Because I think nowadays in in every element of our society, in in film, in just the world, (coughs) um, everything, as we know, is very polarizing. And you're either like fully rooting for someone or hating someone. Mm. And I wanted to make a film that, you know, you don't, it's not necessarily like that. You see, you see the humanity in it. So, yeah. um, again, these stories are the hardest to tell, um, because it actually makes people think instead of <laughs> <laughs> having them just like fall into their narrative.
0: Right. Exactly. I was, I was trying to grab onto a narrative and I couldn't do it. And I think that was like beautiful. Um,
1: Thank
0: you. yeah, that was incredible. So I'm happy.
1: That's amazing feedback what i wanted so oh. appreciate that
0: yeah my pleasure i mean i think it's just so interesting because i it, it was like i is it, it was almost like healing for me because i'm sorry to make this all about me recently but like but just uh i had, i'm like coming to terms recently with my own experiences like more more honestly with myself about my experiences like becoming from and trying trying to and failing in, to integrate into um a Hasidic community and uh but also still believing and i think like um you know part of me just wanted to just identify with her um and i think what was so powerful for me was like being able to see yeah see from those these other angles and these other sides was really powerful and to see ultimately like they were like the en- at the end of the day they're saving lives they did something incredible they broke all these boundaries and so so for me as a balchuva to be like well, what about, like, this is the only part of the story that matters is, I mean, it is so important, but it also is, like, important to, to think through all these other angles, which I think is, is powerful.
1: Totally. And, you know, as someone who, you know, is not Hasidic, right, mm. um, I really wanted, you know, and this was even with my uncle, like, to immerse myself in that world and explore what's Quote, unquote, the most fundamental part of my religion. Interesting. Because, like, if I'm a religious person, I need to know mm. how far that goes. Right. Um, so I learned a lot <laughs> on that regard.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you think you gained out of, like, getting to know this side of the community?
1: Um, more of an understanding of the mindset. To really understand how people—and again, this is my own experience—and this is not everyone, right? Um, just, just how people think in the Hasidic community and how they look at the outside world and, and how I relate to that or, or don't relate to that at all. Right. Um, I saw it was really kind of this like balance. That there are so many women I related to on so many levels, hmm. and there are certain things I can never relate to, <laughs>
0: right. ever.
1: And and you know, I do have immense issues, you know, with the system of the community.
0: Right. I mean, this, this, not to interrupt you, but one of the things that I couldn't help but think as I was watching the movie, and I think this is, again, why your movie's powerful, was I was like, are they helping like they, or are they upholding something that's really unhealthy? And I couldn't, I didn't have an answer. Um, And
1: so I'm uh, so happy you brought that up mm. because when I first, you know, heard of Ezra Nashim and Portrachian started making the film, you know, it was, I didn't know right away, like what lens it was going to be told through. Mm. And if this was going to be something that uphold gender segregation more,
0: right.
1: how can I get behind that? You uh. know, I saw this as feminist and <laughs> progressive um. not everyone at that time in Ezra Zashim thought that. And I realized it turned out that the thing that allowed me to continue was that it was, you know, <sighs> Ruchi was very clear. It was all about choice, hmm. giving women um, choice to have, you know, choose their healthcare providers and have dignified health care. And I started seeing stories about women who literally died because right. they were too ashamed to call Hatzalah because you 're you know not dressed or whatever and and didn 't call for help, right. so I saw it as you know a women 's rights issue mm. and then I also saw how excited and how passionate the EMTs were, so it was just a, much about the women who were working you know than it was about the patient, and the film really is about those women it 's not about so much about the woman who's helped it 's mm. about the helpers so that 's really what you know, I I saw okay, this is real progress, and then you know now five and a half years later, seeing you know how Rookie has is like I'm a hundred percent sure this is progress, and seeing you right. know all the things that have happened since the film has come out, um, and where Rookie is in her own life, um, that this is very, I think, social justice oriented.
0: Well, don't let the uh, the commenters on is nice uh, that, see
1: oh that. i know <laughs> I hear that that's
0: so that's so funny because they're like it's not and actually i thought that was so interesting how i hope people have watched this watches but i don't care um if like i thought it was so interesting how she was like the movie starts off with her or like halfway through she's like insisting this isn't feminism like this isn't feminism and then at the end wow what a, a moment um where she's like yeah I said that, but like I would not be able to do this if it wasn't for secular feminists. And I was just like, Wow, that's and also what I thought was powerful about that is kind of related back again to what you're saying to bring it back to what you were just talking about, which is that when she went from like talking about feminism to talking about feminists um which is kind of, again mm-hmm. you know it made it she instead of being like talking about these big ideas, she was realizing it wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without them um Without the women um, themselves. I thought that was really powerful. And
1: and she just really trajectory and and evolution over the course of, you know, me knowing her has been incredible. You know, because she also went from, and this is a a testament to, you know, when you empower women, what happens? She went from, you know, leading and empowering women in her own community to lifting up her entire community. You know, now as a judge, she's a leader for everyone, not just women. Wow. Um and and it started with that so it shows like what female leadership does for a community. Um, I think she's, you know, I haven't seen a Hasidic leader like her. I don't even know how long, you know, um, who's who's out there and doing that. Maybe the Rebbe, you know, yeah. a Lubavitcher Rebbe, but you know, definitely not to the scale. She, you know, where she's sitting in civil court in in Brooklyn, yeah. you know, um, in the in the world really. Mm-hmm. So um Wow,
0: that's yeah. really interesting. So how do you feel that she's uplifting uh that community now? Like, okay, so you have the story of the, the Ezra S'nashim, her becoming a judge, obviously that has an effect. What what now is happening that you feel like is showing that change? That she's and I making. think
1: the fact that she created space for herself as a mm. Hasidic woman, um, and is contributing to like the regular Brooklyn court system, mm. um, you know, is a huge contribution and does really well, you know, for, for the Hasidic community. Mm. Um, She's also there as, um, you know, representing women in her community. Um, Ruchi does a lot of community work like outside of, of being a judge. And Ezra's Nashim, I'll mention that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
0: my God. Before she
1: started Ezra's Nashim, she started this organization called B'derech for at-risk boys. Wow. And she had boys coming like every week, Friday nights, just coming to her house, and she would cry with them about, you know, these are boys who'd been like really burned by the community. Right. And she helped, you know, legally with a lot of things and really behind the scenes help these young men like find their way um, wow. in a very non judgmental lens and, and get their GEDs and their associate's degree. Right. She had a program doing that in, in, in education. So she's, she is like the prime example of change from within. Um, hmm. And my personal opinion is that for the Hasidic community and the Orthodox community, you know, our, my community too, because there was plenty of problems, um, you need people from within to be able to speak the language you know figuratively language of of their community members it's i don't think it's going to come from the outside um i think there has to be that sense of you know you know that validity and um having someone who you trust tell you those things
0: hmm. yeah I mean, my opinion i mean you made a good case for it <laughs> <laughs> that's really wow that's really powerful you know, I was just, I'm sorry to like change the subject again, but I was just thinking I, I had this thought and we have a few minutes left and I just wanted to touch on it because it felt like it connected so much to what we were talking about earlier, which was that as you were saying how you saw the excitement of the other EMTs that were training them. And I one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is when this, uh, the black uh, man, the uh, EMT was, telling her, like, my father told me I have to work tw- twice as hard. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have to work and you have to do the same thing and and you'll make it happen, but you just got to work twice as hard. And this was, I think, shortly after... Oh, no, this was after the Rebbe had yeah. said that they can't, yeah. right? Um, and that was, wow, what a moment. And I and I think uh, it connects so much to this idea of, like, going... When you start to break past the boundaries of, like, communal issues, you're also breaking in- into another world, which you see has this incredible, these moments of like cross-pollination where wisdom is being passed from like one community to another. Um,
1: totally. Yes. I mean, those, it was the irony in the beginning and, and still a little true in certain ways now is that Ezra nation was not getting any support from within their own community, but tons of support outside, Yeah. you know? Which is interesting with the film too <laughs> for me, but yeah. um, <laughs> right. and the people along the way who really helped were were African American. You see, wow. Stephen the that paramedic, and then Angela is um, the instructor for the neonatal uh, CPR that you see, like the waltz, the cha cha cha. Right? Yes, That's oh, Angela. What a great part. And That's then great. at the end, at Rick's induction, Letitia James is there.
0: Yes. Wow. That's um,
1: and there's. And I, I would hope, and I, that the women saw that, mm. you know, s- recognized the help they were getting, and it was because the African American community knows this so well, mm. knows what it's like to be beaten down, yeah. and um, and they were they, and they, you know, related to the women, and I hope it was like vice versa. Um, I yeah. hope, <laughs> but it was inspiring for me to see.
0: Yeah. That was something else. That was beautiful. And you could see, I mean, there were moments in the movie. It was like nonverbal moments where you could see the women like being really affected and transformed by that. Um, and that connection being built was really, it was really beautiful. Um, and it's interesting. I just think it's fascinating to me how it's connect. Like she, you know, it's a, a big theme on this podcast is, and in Hebrilla is like this idea that creativity is not just about art, you know? And, she created something like that was, that was a story of like create creation. Like it wasn't art, but it was, uh, it was creativity. She had yes. to come up with an idea, see a need and, and fulfill it and do it when everyone's doubting her. Like so much of that. Is, and like, I mean, like we were describing, like your film essentially sounds like a very much mirrored her story in a lot of ways. And, um, and I think, um, that really like being able and, 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 and then the, that resulted in this connection with other communities I feel like is almost inevitable um, in that creativity that she did. Yeah. Welcome to my TED Talk.
1: <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I <was> agree. Just... <laughs> it's 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 all about exactly what you're saying, creativity. Yeah. yeah. And like making something kind of from nothing is right. incredible. It's like yeah. It's like birth, honestly. Right. Same thing.
0: And how beautiful that in the movie they're helping people give right. birth! Oh my gosh, we're getting super meta right now. Um, beautiful, beautiful. Um, thank you so much, Paula. It was so good. I feel like we have like we could do like three more hours of this. this I is, can like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you will have to come again. Yes, then, amazing. Have
1: me. Thank you. Yes,
0: and uh, I'm excited about. Oh, how what can we pitch for? Or uh, what can we help get the word out for you?
1: Um, with, if um, everyone can go to 93 Queen on Facebook and. Like us, um, and then also 93queen.com. You can sign up for the newsletter Great. and see all the cool things happening and the behind the scenes stuff. And um, also, importantly, there's a support Ezra Snushum tab mm. on the 93 Queen site, and you can that will take you to their site where you can um, donate and also sign a petition um, for Ezra Snushum to get their own ambulance, which they're very close to doing. <laughs> oh so, God. everyone should should please do that and help support them.
0: Wow. Um, and any way we can follow your journey or your, your next movies and find out about those?
1: Yes. Um, yeah. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter, which I'm like trying to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good
1: luck. I'll look to you for, uh, yeah. for guidance. But, <laughs> that sounds good. How uh, can they find you on Facebook and Twitter? Uh, Paula Izelt.
0: Okay. On both? On That's, both, yeah.
1: Awesome. And Pizelt on Instagram.
0: Oh, Paizalts, love it! Paisel, All right, yeah. awesome. Uh, thank you so much. It's so good having you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Havriya Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hebrewia.com or facebookcom slash Mag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City. And the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. and We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.